Welcome to the Alpha Dude Podcast with Michael Pulser. What would it be like if you knew that you were unstoppable and you could live life on your terms? Better yet, how good would it feel knowing that on your deathbed, you had fulfilled all your potential and more? Life on Earth has a beginning and an end. It's what you do in the middle that counts. Let's look at how to make that part even better. In this episode, we're going to look at the concept of trust. Today, everyone is so skeptical, and it's probably a good thing that we are because it's the only era in the whole of humanity where we are inundated with the maximum amount of messages at all times. And this does not just apply to the outside world. Before Rewind 20 years ago, you'd go to the shop, it might have an advertisement on the wall, you'd go get your drink, walk out, whatever. Now, you go to the same shop, each single bottle of drink or each packaging has a team of marketing departments behind it in order that it, it gets people to go and buy them. And not only that, the advertisements are so all over the place that you just actually filter them out automatically. Now, that's just on the physical experience. Now, let's take it one step deeper. We are all hooked in to the internet. And every time you're online, you'll find that there's adverts that come up so much that we just consciously filter it out. Now, the advertisers have organized algorithms, and you're probably aware of this, that when you search for things, they will see what you're interested in based on past search results. Now, this is not necessarily a bad thing because it saves you time. It shows you what products are around that you're interested in, but it is also done with the idea that you're going to purchase. So it's manipulative in a sense. So by being aware of this, we have all become super skeptical, and rightly so. But this pervades all aspects of our life. So when we learn things, we think about it and say, well, this is kind of interesting. Like you'll go, you'll go get a book on self-help, you'll read it, and you'll pick out one or two good ideas. And then you'll say, well, yeah, maybe that works. And you might put it down and say, that was just an interesting read and just go back to how things were before. Or you can be completely open, taking everything that's there and become influenced and put yourself in a worse spot in many cases. Because let's face it, we actually don't know who is influencing us these days. Each decision you make, that advertisement on the wall, is not made by one person, it's made by a team. And that team is bases its decisions on research. And all of these little minute details are constantly bombarding you. And at every point in time, you have to have your guard up. Because as soon as you lower it, you're going to be stuck. If you've seen that Jim Carrey movie, Yes Man, which was actually a book written by Dan Wallace, and, and this guy, he actually, in real life, went around and said yes to everything that came his way. He did this in real life, and he wrote the book around it. Jim Carrey made the movie, and we have that crazy situation where he's getting into all sorts of adventures and fun stuff. But if you were to do the same thing today, just opening up your email would be disastrous. You'd have all your money taken out of your account. People are constantly trying to scam you, manipulate you. You can't just be open. So you shut yourself. So you become skeptic. So we've arrived to this place of skepticism. So is this a good place to be? Well, as I said, it has its utility. 
but it is a double-edged sword. It also holds us back. So if you are reading that self-help or psychology book and you're hyper-skeptical, you'll put it down and you'll be like, well, that sounds interesting, but it's probably just hype. I mean, if, if it was that successful, why isn't everyone doing it? Well, that's the thing. Why isn't everyone doing it? That is where I want to bring three things in to challenge the hyper-skepticism that we all have. The three things are this. Number one, I want everybody to have a good command of logic. If you ask the average person on the street, what is a law of logic? Chances are most people don't even know what the laws of logic are. Just knowing that the law of excluded middle or the law of non-contradiction, how it works and plays out in day-to-day interactions is so imperative because that allows you to make decisions at a rational, reasonable level. And if we do it based on our feelings, our feelings can be distorted. And if we have distorted feelings, we'll make the wrong decisions. So first one, step one, learn what logic is and start to use it. The best experience I have is watching online debates and seeing how people use logic and reason in developing their points. And I would say that also use it to challenge your own beliefs. Look at what you believe in, look at the other side and see which one makes sense using logic. So that's step number one. Step number two is learn who is teaching. So I've got an example. I was watching one of those streaming services the other day, and it was a documentary on the Bible. And it was promoting the Bible that it's real and it was factual and it said secrets of the Bible or something like that. About 20 minutes through it, it was was completely neutral. And then it started to show a contradiction in the Bible. And that's like, fine, whatever. And it showed the contradiction. And then it showed the Christian response. And I was just flabbergasted. I was like, what? Now, I can't remember exactly what it was. It was something like, like God let something bad happen. So therefore, he's not all powerful or he's not all knowing. So he's not God because God needs those features. And the response for the Christian was that, well, Christians say that we just take it on faith. Now, I've never heard of any intellectual Christian ever actually say that before. In fact, that's probably the weakest straw man argument I've ever heard. There's a million other arguments, and that's probably the worst one. I mean, all you have to do is do a simple search just to find the euthyphro dilemma where basically you have another choice. It's like if you go into a car yard and somebody says, hey, do you want a red or blue car? You've got a hundred choices. You can walk away, you can choose a green car, you can choose another model, you can go to another car yard, you can do whatever you want. If somebody says that you have only two choices, then chances are they're holding something back. And that's up to you to look into it further to find out what it is. Now the answer to that question, if you want to know, is basically that there is a reason behind the evil that is there. So you can look it up yourself, the euthyphro dilemma. But that's not the purpose of this. The whole purpose is that when I finished watching the documentary, I looked up who actually made it. And it turns out it was this guy who was an atheist bent on converting Christians out of Christianity. Now, that's fine, but it'd be great if he put his cards on the table instead of being very subtle and 
trying to sneak things in. That's why it's so important with your skepticism. Hold on to it because you will get sold. But use logic and realize who is teaching you. And the final one, the final one is really tricky because it's all about discernment. So if you're listening, let's take this podcast as an example. If you're listening to this podcast and you're like, all right, so this guy, uh, Michael Polser, he uses logic. He talks about reason. He's, uh, you've heard the Who Am I episode. You know what I've been through. And now he's telling me that if I have a problem, I should try this. Now, if you go ahead and change your whole life based on the advice I've given you, well, that may be a good thing, but I think generally that's probably a poor approach. I would say find something small in your life and test out what I've said. Test out what I said last episode. If changing the voice in your head when things are very negative, if you change it to a sexy voice, actually do it. Like, don't just listen to it. Actually reach out, go to that place, make it a sexy voice and just feel what happens inside and say, hey, there's some truth to this. Or you can say I'm full of it. Either way, at least you've tested it out. And then once you've tested it out on little things, you can slowly step it up and just take it as far as you're comfortable with. But the main thing is that make sure that you're open to testing these things out or you'll lose out on so much. So in summary, skepticism is not a bad thing. It will save you in so many situations, but it may also hold you back. So in order to combat this, the three rules are number one, learn what logic is, learn the rules of logic, learn how to apply it, and then apply it to the decisions in your life. Number two is learn who is teaching you, or better yet, who is influencing you that it's not always what it seems. By understanding this, you'll understand their motives and not be influenced on how others want you to be. You get to be in the control seat. And then finally, use discernment, but test out things on a very small micro level. It Put it on the level that you've got nothing to lose. So if you're going to try a psychological technique, try it on something that's insignificant if it fails. But if it works, it will boost you up. And then if you found that it works a little bit, step forward a little bit further. Try it on and see how it impacts your life. If you're finding that it's for you, you get to make the decision on your terms. If you find that it's not working out for you, then at least you have decided that. And when it comes from you, you start to trust yourself. And at the deepest level, we get to the core of this entire episode, and that is of trust. You have to be able to trust yourself in today's society. So by being skeptical is one way to protect yourself. And by trusting in yourself, using this process should get you far. Skepticism, it's really funny because it's all about control. Yet any meditation retreat, any psychologist or self-help guru advocates using mindfulness in some form. And this is about living in the moment, which is about letting go of control. This leads to being present. Understanding the utility of skepticism allows you to use it as a tool rather than skepticism limiting you and your experience. With this in mind, I have brought on a guest who has experience with vibration, energy, and other forms of healing. 
While listening to Laura, please note, number one, her interesting story. Two, the tools that she used to grow. And number three, consider the advice that I mentioned earlier in this episode. One, use logic to examine her worldview. Two, consider the guest and see if she is selling something or simply just sharing. And number three, if it resonates with you, just take out any small part that may help. If it doesn't, at least you have a better understanding of her position. The main takeaway I got from her was essentially that we must learn to trust ourselves. And once you learn to trust yourself, you can move on to actually liking yourself. And from this place, you're able to fulfill your potential. Here is Laura Morris. Hi there. My name's Laura Morris, and I'm an energy alignment coach and therapist. I help people to connect their physical being with their non-physical being to allow a greater connection to source, to their higher self. And through that connection, it enables, it enables us all to live a more empowered life, one that feels good, the one that we're meant to be living, the one that allows us to connect with our soul purpose and truly live out the most magnificent life. My journey for me started so long ago. I didn't even realize at the time, but now that I can piece back things of my life, I can see how I was always destined for this. I just didn't know it. And it was through ignoring my own inner guidance. It was through going against what my higher self was trying to tell me that I eventually figured it, figured it out. So I, I had a really good childhood growing up. I am one of three. I have twin brothers. They're seven years older than I am. My father worked offshore. My mum was blessed to be able to stay at home and look after us. But I can see now that that wasn't always easy for her. My mum's always struggled with um, being an alcoholic. And when I was younger, I would kind of know things were off, but you don't pay it too much attention when you're young because you just don't know. And then as I got older and my brothers got older and they moved out from home, they went to university, things became more intense. I think my mum found it quite hard when my brothers moved out of the house. I think she then didn't really know what to do with herself. And my dad spent half the time offshore. He was away for two weeks and home for two. So I didn't realise it at the time, but I suppose, you know, it, it was hard for me. It's hard for any kid that's in that situation. I didn't understand why she needed to do what she was doing. And as a teenager, I hadn't yet developed the emotional capability to see past my own views of that. At 16, 
I became a heroin addict. And that went on for about two years. Actually, it was, it was two years exactly. And at the age of 18, it, it ended. I had, at the time, I was living with my boyfriend, who was a great deal older than me. And I think through fear, I stayed. I could, couldn't really get out of that relationship for a while. And again, I was too young emotionally to make a proper decision. But at 18, I found the strength to leave that. I left the town that I was living in and I moved back in with my parents who had moved to another town by this point, which probably was my saving grace then. I was able to not be surrounded by the situation that I had found myself in. Um, I didn't have the same friends or the, you know, the same situations going on. So I think that gave me more strength to be able to get clean. And I got clean really quick. I went to college for three years. I studied beauty and complementary therapies and straight away I felt a huge connection with massage, with aromatherapy, with Reiki, especially um, reflexology as well. I just found it fascinating that you could manipulate other parts of the body through the feet and I already had this ingrained knowledge that everything was energy. For some reason that concept had always made sense to me. And after I graduated college I got a job and I worked and I was just naturally more drawn to the energy-based healing. Then I got myself into another relationship which at the time, I again, I didn't see, I knew I shouldn't be getting into this one, but it wasn't, he wasn't bad, he wasn't abusive, he wasn't anything like that. But at the same time, I wasn't properly in love with him. And I suppose I didn't really expect it to last any length of time, but it did, it lasted six years. And by the end of those six years, I was never physically hurt or anything like that, but through his lack of confidence in himself, I allowed myself to become manipulated to the point that I didn't know who I was anymore. Now, I'm going to say that again. I allowed myself to become manipulated. You see, I've never ever felt like a victim. I have always been aware I have made my own choices. Albeit some of those choices I knew inside my stomach, you know, the pit in my stomach, it wasn't right. But I made them regardless and I made them. And one day as I was sat there, a voice came into my head and asked Laura, if you met a random stranger right now and they said, so who's Laura? What do you like to do in life? You know, what gets you excited? What makes you tick? My answer would have been, I don't know. 
And it was at that point I realised I had completely lost myself. Completely and utterly. Now the next few weeks I spent with a very low vibrational energy. Not quite as low as depressed, but I was bursting into tears spontaneously at things. There was just a general unhappiness. And I could feel things were coming to a head and I had no idea how or who or what was going to happen. But I knew I couldn't go on the way that I was going on. And then one day, my best friend caught me at work and said, oh, you have to come round, we have to watch this video together. DVD, showing my age, video. And it was the secret. And as soon as we switched it on, just hearing everyone talk and how they described things, straight away it resonated. I could see exactly how my life had turned out because of the decisions I'd made. And it didn't make me feel sad or know what have I done. The, the first thing I remember feeling was, yeah, I've done this. So that means I can do better. I suppose it was the moment that I fully took responsibility for all of my actions. Like I said, I'd never blamed anyone. I blamed my mum a bit for being the way she was when I was younger. But by this point, you know, I was an adult. I could see it, it wasn't her fault. She wasn't emotionally equipped the same way that I was to deal with her demons. But this moment was a moment of awakening for me, if you like. And I went home. And I think it must have been a few weeks, a few weeks after that, that my boyfriend and I decided to go separate ways We were still friends about it. It it was it was nice that way. I think that's why the relationship went on for so long. We we were friends. We were best friends. But that wasn't enough and anyway, it wasn't meant to be. But it was it was a few months from us making that decision until he finally moved out. But I suppose, looking back again, I can see exactly how it just all fitted into place at exactly the right time. Now, I'd had Reiki treatments before. I liked them. I really, really resonated with them. And I knew it was something I would do at some point in my life. I just didn't know when. But the time in my life had came. I went and I did my Reiki and completely 
went into it with everything that I had. It really resonated with me, again, because it's an energy healing treatment. And I've, like I said earlier, I've always held this belief, I've always had this inner knowing that everything, everything in our world, everything in the universe is energy resonating at different frequencies. I knew my thoughts were frequencies, I knew my feelings were frequencies, so the whole concept of Reiki and how we could use it to not only heal ourselves on a physical level, but on every level, and then use it as a tool to help awaken us more spiritually was, oh, it was just fascinating. So I threw myself into my studies. I then studied um, crystal healing along with it. And after a year of doing my initial Reiki, I went on to do my Reiki masters and everything just continued to flow and develop with such ease. During, after my boyfriend had left, I spent the best part of three years on my own, yeah, I had friends and stuff, but I had no relationships and I was working for myself and when I would come home, I would just throw myself into my studies again and even if I didn't have studies to finish and complete, I was studying myself and it was then I started to piece together all these different stages in my life that had happened and I was able to look on everything like from a bird's eye point of view. There was no bias in, in what I was looking at and what I was seeing and my understanding. It, I was able to view everything from so many different perspectives that it created this understanding that I was always destined to do this. I just, I had to go along my path. Part of what I have gained out of this the most is the true meaning of unconditional love. And I was lucky enough for that to come because I had been a heroin addict and then I was able to look at my mum's situation and with her being an alcoholic. And for the first time in my life, I was able to look at her and love her unconditionally. No conditions, no, well, when you get sober, I'll be able to love you, or there was none of that. I was able to look at her in her perfect form, whether that's how she was on a day-to-day -day basis or not. And that enabled our relationship to grow even closer again. And then through that understanding from her, I was able to use it with so many others. Now I'm gonna fast forward quite a few years. This personal study has continued and I've developed it and now I am married to my soulmate who I originally met when I was 15 years old. Hadn't seen him for about 
oh, a good 10, 12 years, and then he magically came back into my life nine years ago. We've now been married for five years. We have a six-year-old son. And now that my son is at full-time school, I have become a, a life coach. I have been coaching now for a couple of years. And it was easy for me to find my niche. It was the energy alignment. I was able to create so much understanding from what I thought were mistakes, but they, they weren't mistakes. They were just left turns on my path, but they always continued to lead me back to where I was meant to be, but with this great understanding of how the laws of the universe work and that when we are fully connected and tuned in with our higher self, with the source energy that resides within us, there is nothing that we can't do except flow, flow through life. Contrast still exists, yes, but nothing seems to be devastating in my life anymore. Every day I wake up happy, ready for the day. And I practice my self-development work, which consists of my morning yoga, my daily meditation. I have visualizations that I do. And other personal development work. And it's through the repetition of these practices, that's what enables me to stay aligned. It's what enables me to be of such wonderful service to people. And it continues to keep me in the space of a higher vibrational level. The most important relationship any of us can ever develop in our life is the ones with ourself, the one with our higher self. And I promise you, through my own experience. It's the only true thing that matters. Once you make that the most important relationship in your life, once you decide that nothing matters more than you feeling good and you taking on board the tools and techniques that you require to keep you there, life flows. You tune in to your true state of being. Your life purpose is laid out before you. There is a knowing. It's the most beautiful way to experience life. And I urge anyone listening to this that if you aren't already there, make the choice. Do what it is you have to do to get onto that path of self-belief. 
It takes persistence. It takes repetition. But they're so rewarding that then it just becomes your natural, habitual practice in life. I can't imagine my world now without the tools and techniques that help me stay aligned. It has truly turned my world around in every way, shape and form. And I'm glad I had the time to go back and piece everything together in the way that I did because it's through that understanding of my experiences that I am able to help so many people now. I hope you've enjoyed this part of my story. There's so much more I could keep speaking for for ages about it. There's so many little bits and bobs to, to put in and so many big things as well, but that is the gist of it. Through losing myself completely, I was able to realign Yes, I was able to realign. And once you've done that, there's no going back. That's another beautiful part of it. Once you've experienced this sensation, this way of living, you can't turn your back on it. You have to keep going. And it only gets better. I've been Laura Morris, energy alignment coach and therapist. Thank you so much for your time. It's been an absolute pleasure. Love and light to you all. Hope you enjoyed the podcast. If so, rate it from the place you downloaded it. For any questions, send an email to michaelpulser at gmail.com.